in John chapter 4. We were there last Sunday. If you recall, we started there. We're looking kind of at uh, where do we go as a church and as individuals, getting a fresh, fresh start and a fresh vision of where we go moving forward into the new year and into our new location. I encourage you, if you weren't here last Sunday, to go on the website and download that message. I've been told it was a little bit long thing, and uh, I told our sound guy that the amount of time I read the scripture doesn't count toward the length of the sermon thing. So that should shorten it a little bit, but I would encourage you to catch up on that so we're all on the, all on the same page. John chapter 4, I'm going to begin at verse 27 today. We're at the story where Jesus interacts with a woman at the well, a woman who was caught in adultery. Jesus talks with her and invites her then into a true life of worshiping God, grants her eternal life, and now the woman has left and has gone to the city to get more people to meet Jesus. And now we catch the rest of the story here in verse 27. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is through the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say... There are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Let us pray. Almighty God, thank you for your word today. God, thank you for this opportunity to study. We ask now that you would speak, change our thinking, refine us, sharpen us, give us a fresh vision of who you've called us to be. God, we thank you and we praise you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Why do you suppose a tater tot was ever invented? Perplexing question, isn't it? Why do you suppose a tater tot was ever invented? A couple of weeks ago, we were having supper at our house, and we had made some tater tots and chicken nuggets and had the tater tots out, and my daughter asked for some ketchup and then asked for that, asked for some ranch, so I gave her ketchup, gave her ranch, and a little while into the meal, I noticed that none of the tater tots had been eaten. She was simply using the tater tot to deliver ketchup and ranch to her mouth. Do you think this is what the inventor of tater tots had in mind? Could we agree this morning that tater tots were made for more than eating ketchup and ranch? You could say that true north for a tater tot is being eaten. That's what they were made for, right? Tater tots were made to be eaten. If a tater tot is living the true north life, doing what it was created to do, it's going to be eaten. 
Well, these last two weeks we've been on the question, what is true north for us? In other words, what is it to be who we are supposed to be? Who were we meant to be? Who are we meant to be? Who has God has created me as an individual to be? Who has God made his church to be? Are we to be tater tots just for ketchup and ranch? Or is there more to the story? What is true north for us? Well, last week we looked at the first thing about going true north is that it's a two-lane two, uh, road going in the same direction. Last week we looked at one of those lanes. And the, and the first lane is worship, that God created us to worship Him. We saw in John chapter 4 as Jesus talks with this woman, He says to her, the Father seeks worshipers. In other words, the Father is seeking people that would honor Him with their whole lives. This is what we were made to do. This is what we will do for eternity is worship God. Bring Him honor in all that we do. This is who we were meant to be, to be worshipers. And then now we get the second half of the story. We see that it's a two-lane road. Not only are we created to worship, but now Jesus shifts the focus a little bit and gives us the second half of what we are meant to do right now. And that is evangelism. Sharing the good news of Jesus. We see Jesus make a shift now after the woman leaves as he lays out kind of what his heart's desire is. And Jesus basically says to the disciples, this is what I came to do. I came to tell others to reach other people, to proclaim the good news to them. This is why the Father sent me. You could basically say evangelism exists because worship does not evangelism exists right now evangelism is actually a temporary activity evangelism will not always be with us for eternity now some of you are rejoicing right now right i mean not many like evangelism you're like let's get to heaven now but evangelism is a temporary opportunity that we have say that with me opportunity we've looked at it as this burden that we've had to bear that oh it's right god tells us we have to tell other people about our faith god commands it absolutely but the command is the greatest opportunity we have the opportunity to change someone's eternity everybody wants to have the opportunity to change somebody's life to have influence to to shape people and to change people well, the greatest opportunity we have is to change their eternity if we're going to be going true north in life, we've got a two-lane road that we have to travel simultaneously. A life of worship, bringing honor to God, and right now at the exact same time, a life of evangelism, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the opportunity that we've been given. In a very simple sense, evangelism is about people. You could say it this way, Jesus wants us to reach people. We've kind of just got evangelism all in our minds and different things. Some of us think of evangelism as getting people to believe certain things. Some of us think about evangelism as getting church growth. Some of us think of evangelism as just going to a door, handing out a piece of paper, and running the other direction. At the heart of evangelism is people. Because Jesus wants to reach people. And so evangelism is about taking the good news of Jesus Christ and sharing it with a person. That's all it is, sharing the good news of Jesus with a person. 
And Jesus wants us to reach people. And if we, this is where we see it. You could say it this way. Jesus fulfills the purpose of his Father when he is reaching people. Therefore, Jesus finds fulfillment in pursuing people. Look with me, if you would, at verse 34 in John chapter 4. Jesus says to his disciples, he says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus, again, is, is being so kind to us. He's giving us a spiritual truth with an earthly uh, demonstration. He's talking about food, and he's basically saying, I get my nourishment, my strength, and my satisfaction from accomplishing the will of my Father. And then he says, the will of his Father is to accomplish that work. And then he goes on to talk about the harvest. In other words, people coming to faith in Christ. The will of God is that people would come to God and worship him. And Jesus finds satisfaction when he's doing that, when he's reaching people with the good news so that they enter into a life of worship. This morning, where do we find our satisfaction? Where do we find our fulfillment? Is it in the temporary things of this world? Is it when, com- when, is it, is it when circumstances are comfortable? Or do we find our fulfillment and satisfaction in fulfilling the will of our Heavenly Father. And the will of our Heavenly Father is that people would be saved. People would come to worship Him. Jesus says it clearly here about He comes to fulfill the purpose of His Father. And we could trace through all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and there's one phrase He uses in multiple different places. He was sent to save the lost. I was sent to come and save. He's saved. He's a Savior. What does a Savior do? saves. You're not a savior if you're not saving. That's what Jesus came to do, was to save people, bring people into a life-giving relationship with his heavenly Father. That's what Christ does. Now how about us, those who bear the name of Christ? We use the name Christ. We're Christians. Should we not be about the business of the person whose name we bear? Jesus was in the people business, trying to find people and help them enter into a life of worshiping God. It's the opportunity we have to live this life of evangelism. If you don't like the word evangelism, just say, I get the opportunity to care for people. And the best way to care for a person is what? Look to their eternal well-being. We would all say, if we went to a doctor, and that went to that doctor, went to the doctor's visit, and the doctor knew something was wrong with us, but the doctor just didn't say anything about it, We would all say what? Don't go back to that doctor. If you've got something wrong, a caring doctor is going to do what? Tell you about it. Right? And if the doctor knows that something's going to be wrong long term, if you continue something, what's the doctor going to do? Tell you. If you don't do something, something bad's going to happen because a caring doctor is going to tell you the truth about the long-term consequences. The best way that we can care for people is to care for their eternal well-being. So what are the implications? If you and I said today, yes, let's capture this opportunity. Let's go out and live a life of evangelism. Let's care for people. What are the implications for our lives? The first implication is this, is that I set aside my preferences. If you're taking notes today, just write down in the margin somewhere, 1 Corinthians 9. If you've got time today or this week, go and read 
1 Corinthians chapter 9. The Apostle Paul is writing, and he lays out very simply in one chapter, basically says, I lay aside my rights as an apostle, that some may be one for Christ. Now follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. The Apostle Paul is simply saying, set aside your preferences so that you can reach more people. You see, the Apostle Paul had come to a point where he understood he had some freedom in life. He could eat pork, which for us isn't an issue. We eat pork all the time. But for them in their religious situation, that was a big deal. The Apostle Paul knew that he could eat pork and not offend God, and it would not affect his faith. Yet the Apostle Paul said, you know what? There's certain situations where I'm not going to eat pork, not because of me, but because of the person I'm trying to reach. So he set aside that right that he had for the sake of reaching another person. In other words, the Apostle Paul said, I will set aside my preferences for the sake of a person. All of us have a variety of preferences. We would like to do things a certain way. The question is, do those preferences enable us to reach people, personally and also corporately as a church? We've got to be willing to set aside any preference that's not against the It's a preference because it's not a law of God. We've got to be willing to set aside any preference for the sake of reaching people. If I'm going to live a life of evangelism, I'm going to set aside my needs and my wants and look to the needs of other people. Not only that, but if I'm going to live a life of evangelism, I turn my focus to eternity. People who are focused on evangelism, those who are living the true north life, are focused on eternity because they know the here and now is not the whole story. When you go home today, here's a little exercise for you. We've done this before and encourage you, if you didn't do it last time you got the homework assignment, shame on you, now do it this time. Thing. When you get home today, get a yellow pack of sticky notes. Go around your house and put a yellow sticky note on anything that's not going to last longer than 75 years. And leave that yellow sticky note on it for the next week. And ask yourself the question, have I given this thing too much energy and time for not being worth eternity? Or have I given people the same amount of energy and time that I've given this, which will not last longer than 75 years? 75 years is nothing. For us, it might seem like a long time in the middle of it, but in the span of history, 75 years is a drop in the bucket, if a drop in the bucket. Yet we get so caught up in the here and the now on that which we can see. But true north is people that are focused on eternity because we know that what's here is not all that exists. We know there is more to come. And when we turn our focus away from those things that are temporary, it's amazing the amount of stress and anxiety that can go away. We get stressed and anxious about all sorts of weird stuff. Stuff that has hardly any lifespan at all. Think about your latest argument with your friend, your coworker, or your spouse. How many times have you had that argument and then you got to the end of it or you look back and go, 
why are we arguing about this? I know that's happened in my life, and I'm sure it's happened in your life as well. You see yourself putting so much energy and focus into something at the end of the day, you're going, well, it just doesn't really matter that much. People who are focused on evangelism have an eternal vision beyond the here and now. So as individuals, we're called to be people who do not look at our needs and wants first, but we look to somebody else's needs and wants. And as individuals, we're called to say, it's not about the here and now, but it's about eternity. Now, where we see this in the Gospels is with Jesus and his interaction with the disciples. The disciples are just like you and I. They flounder, it seems, like every chance they get. So the disciples are coming back to Jesus here in John chapter 4. They see Jesus. They also see this crowd of people coming. What's their focus? Hey, Jesus, we need to get you some food. And what does Jesus say? Hey, food can wait. There's a harvest coming. There's people coming. Jesus was willing to undergo some temporary discomfort for the eternal well-being of other people. The disciples always had the right here and now focus. Jesus had the big picture focus. How about you and I this morning? Are we here and now or are we big picture eternally focused? So that's the individually with the implications and also corporately. Now we just want to spend a few moments this morning talking about if we want to be people of evangelism, we want to be a church that says, hey, we want to reach people, what do we need to do in 2015 to become that church? So we got three focus areas in 2015 for King of Glory. And these three focus areas all come back to this central idea that evangelism is not an option. It's mandatory because it's a command, but it's also mandatory if we want to experience life as God has given us and promised us life. So what do we need to do? There's three areas that we believe we need to put some focus and attention on in 2015 to help us go in that direction. And the first is King's Closet and an ethnic ministry as a whole. Many of you know what King's Closet is. King's Closet is a ministry where we give out household necessities to people in Sioux Falls. So we share Christ's love by giving out things such as toilet paper, laundry detergent, uh, hand soap, things like that. To share Christ's love in a practical way. Just loving people because God commands us to love people. In the process of doing that, we've realized that Sioux Falls looks vastly different than we look on Sunday morning. That those coming to King's Closet are 90% at least, probably non-white. And the city of Sioux Falls is changing as a whole as well. If you look at the elementary school statistics, we're, the ethnicity of Sioux Falls is changing rapidly. And we've said, our congregation doesn't reflect that. Therefore, are we even reaching the people in our own city? And so we want to turn our focus and say, how can we begin to reflect our city, which we want to take King's Closet, continue to do King's Closet marvelously, and now partner with the ethnic ministry. We're going to have a congregation move in with us to a new, our new location. They're going to worship in our building, and we're going to try and begin a partnership together of how we can do ministry and someday maybe become one church together so that we can properly reflect the heart of God and also the city of Sioux Falls as our church. Today we've got some really exciting news. I would call it game-changing news about King's Closet and then how that's going to actually change, I think, King of Glory this year and the years to come. I'm going to invite Tim Ryer to come forward this morning. 
Tim is usually here in the role of on his leadership team, but today he's representing his company and he's going to bring us a message this morning. I invite Lori McDonald, one of our leaders from King's Closet, forward as well. Well, good morning, everybody. As Pastor Rich said, I'm here on behalf of Salmon's Financial Group today. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, Salmon's Financial Group, one of the companies within our group is Midland National Life Insurance Company, so you may know us more as Midland National. But uh, as do many corporations here in Sioux Falls, we um, uh, support various charities, various organizations within our community. It goes back, it's got a long history of doing that within our company. And one of the um, criteria that we look at in terms of uh, deciding whether we want to support charities and local organizations is the involvement of our employees. Are they volunteering? Are they personally vested in that organization? And as most of you know, Lori McDonald has been extremely invested in King's Closet and uh, done a lot for that organization. We also have the Minans are closely and in, in, in also involved in that and support it. Uh, I think Dee and Gary Saxog also support it. And then I know several of you support it, but those are ones who are also employees of Salmon's Financial Group. And so uh, last fall, well, actually last uh, December, Lori wrote, uh, uh, put a request together to have our uh, organization support King's Closet. And I'm pleased to tell you here today that that request was uh, approved. And on behalf of Salmon's Financial Group, I would like to uh, present a check for $20,000 to King's Closet. I just wanted to say a few things. Um, I am so blessed to be part of such a wonderful, caring family at church and a family at work. Um, there have been many of you that have supported us through volunteering your time, bringing products, and also saying prayers for us. So I just want to thank you for that, and I want to um, continue to encourage you to participate. And I look forward to the future. And with this contribution, it means a lot. It really does mean a lot to us. Thank you. I'd say that's pretty good news for the day to get rolling. The reason that it's, an amazing, it's amazing news for a variety of reasons. But King's Closet is a cornerstone of what we want to do at King of Glory. And we just want to bless the people of Sioux Falls. And this gift enables us to continue to bless the people of Sioux Falls, no strings attached, just sharing the love of Jesus Christ. And at the same time, this also now allows us to start this partnership with this ethnic congregation and do something that I would contend has not been done before. That in a couple of months, when people come to King's Closet, they would not just be served by 16 white people, but they would be served by eight white people and eight people from the ethnic congregation that's partnering with us. We've got an opportunity to do something really unique. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a lot of heavy lifting. There's going to be a lot of stuff that people are like, ah, uh, what happened thing? It's going to take work because we've got preferences. They've got preferences. We come with baggage. They come with baggage. It's just like blending two families together. So we've got a lot of work to do, but we've been blessed to kickstart in this way. So we continue to bless people of Sioux Falls by giving out those goods, and now we take the next step of partnership with an ethnic congregation. Our hope is that this gift now gives Lori McDonald and Katie Riley their budget for 2015. 
This is what you've got to bless the people of Sioux Falls. Our hope is this, that over 2015, as we buy Hy-Vee gift cards, which is free money for the church and maybe through some dedicated gifts that come in or whatever, at the end of 2015, we'd have another $20,000 already in the bank for 2016. So this is just a kickstart. This has bought us a year to save up money to fund the next year. So every year on January 1st when we start, we've got 20000 in the bank for that ministry. We can just keep on plugging away. So we just praise God for his provision and how he's stepped out and provided for us in, in that way and praise God for the leadership. This takes leadership. Think, this doesn't just happen, but Katie and Lori have put in a ton of time, not only them, but a lot of other people as well. So again, people power is what it takes. So King's Closet's going to receive a lot of attention this year, and we pray that God would continue to use it to bless people. The second area that's going to be a focus in 2015 is called relationships slash hospitality. That we believe we need to take a look at ourselves and create an environment that has relationships that allow other people to come and join in easily and connect to. That we've got to become a place of hospitality. When I say hospitality, I mean this. A stranger can come, and at some point, they're no longer a stranger. They're a family member. That's hospitality. Hospitality is not shaking hands. Hospitality is the stranger becomes a family member. And we've got some work to do in this area. We've got strong friendships in our church, which is fabulous. We've got caring spirits, which is fabulous. But sometimes those friendships and those caring spirits can have the appearance of middle school cliques. And so it's hard sometimes for newcomers to get engaged and become welcomed into our family and to grow the family. And so again, we want this year to try and take a strength, which is our friendships and caring spirit, and say, you know what? Let's turn that into a hospitality machine. Let's become people who have, next year at this time, we've had some strangers who are now family members. We do what we can do on our end to help people feel welcome and enter in to our lives. And so one of the changes you're going to see on this is on Lent of this year, we're going to push the pause button on small groups. We're going to push the pause button on small groups Lent through August to have what we're calling a season of fun. This season of fun is really one purpose, connect as many people together and as many different settings together to get everybody relating outside of kind of their inner circle. There's not going to be potlucks during this period. No potlucks. There's going to be intentional activities that get us interacting with different people to build relationship and to get us to know others. And then after August, we'll keep some of them going intentionally as we get back into our small group or discipleship ministry. So again, a real focus on creating a relational environment. The third focus that we have then is simply evangelism. There's no better way of stating it. These other two flow from the heart of evangelism, but then, very frankly, we need to sit down and say, how are we going to do evangelism? If you were a new company and moved to Sioux Falls and you were going to sell widgets, you'd come together and you'd sit down with your, with your board or your leadership team and you'd say, hey, how are we going to sell these things when we get to Sioux Falls? And you'd come up with a strategic plan or you'd come up with something that's going to determine how you sell these widgets. Right? If you were the owner and your leadership team came back to you and said, hey, we're here to sell widgets and didn't have a plan, what would the owner say? Go back in the room and don't come back until you have a plan. 
Now, if we come up with a plan to sell widgets, how much more should we come up with a plan for how we're going to reach people to care for their eternal well-being? We've got to come up with something for how we're going to reach someone that's not going to church right now. We've got to have a strategy that we as a congregation can agree on, can join in, and take ownership together. We're, again, we're starting from scratch here. But we want to just get the strategy going. We're not going to be full force by the end of the year, but 5% change, maybe 10% change, little increments, but we're going to put a plan together. Why? Because true north is living a life that honors God. True north is living a life that's seeking to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. We have to travel both roads. And I don't know about you, but I want to go true north. I want to do what I was created to do. We as a church should want to do what God created the church to do. And the church is created to focus on sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. How many of you have ever stayed overnight in an airport before? Good experience? Airports were created for what? Sending people. You go to an airport, an airport is operating really well. When you show up, you can get on your plane and you go. An airport was not created to be a hotel. What happens when an airport turns into a hotel? Things get really ugly, right? People start getting a little bit mean with one another, start getting a little bit mean with the ticket takers. Not only that, but it probably starts to get a little bit smelly because an airport was not created to be a hotel. It was created to be a sending place. Come and go. The church, when it becomes a hotel for its members, bad things start to happen. We start to nitpick and argue about little things. What color should the carpet be? Hey, we should have a little nicer coffee on Sunday mornings. When we become a hotel, weird things happen. We start to complain that we're using store-bought cookies instead of home-baked cookies. It's because the focus is inward. But when a church is not a hotel, but it's an airport, a place of sending, a place of going out into the community, good things start to happen. Because everybody's attention is what? Not focused on my preference, but it's focused on the people that are out there. The question is, will we be what we were created to be? I love ketchup and ranch. But all by itself? Give me the tater tot thing. The tater tot was made to be eaten. I want the whole enchilada. I want everything that God created us to be. I want to experience the joy that God created us to have. I want to experience the peace that God created us to have. I don't want to be a lackluster church. I don't want to be a lackluster Christian. We're a lackluster Christian and we're a lackluster church when we're not doing what we were created to do. But we can experience the whole thing when we go true north, when we live a life honoring God and we focus on reaching people in the name of Jesus Christ. Open your Bibles to John chapter 4. Verse 39 through 42. This could get me fired 
This could get me called heretic. Verse 39 through 42. I'd like you to change a couple of words. Many Sufalsians from that town believed in him because of King of Glory's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Sufalsians came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. King of Glory stayed forever. And many more believed because of King of Glory's preaching. The Sufalsians said to King of Glory, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. What if that could be written about us 2,000 years from now? The same testimony about that little town, that little group of people. It might not be a 1,000, it might be a 100, it might be two. Who knows who it will be, how many it will be. But what if someone could write that testimony about you? Because of you, I came to believe. Because of the Gideons, many have come to believe. Because of Billy Graham, many have come to believe. How many will come to believe because of King of Glory? And the beauty of it is this. At the end of the day, it's not dependent upon King of Glory. It's dependent upon the one who will give the final word, Jesus himself, where he says here, for we have heard it for ourselves. Let's go out, King of Glory, for there's plenty of Sufalsians to reach. Let's go out and let's go due north, living a life, honoring God, and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you this morning for your patience with us during this process. God, we acknowledge that sometimes we've gotten lost in the details. We acknowledge that sometimes we've been scared. God, we acknowledge that we've been scared that we're going to lose control. We've been, we acknowledge that we're going to lose approval. God, we acknowledge that we are scared. We don't know how to tell people about you sometimes. God, help us. Today we ask that you would practically help us by giving us a strategy. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you would align our hearts and our passion with your passion. God, today we praise you. All we can do is say thank you for this gift from Simon's Financial. We ask that you'd bless Simon's Financial and their leadership team. We pray that you'd enable them to do what they were created to do. Enable them to be the best insurance company. Enable them to be the best business that they can be. We pray, O oh Lord, that you continue to empower them. And we pray now, O oh Lord, that you would empower us to be the church you created us to be. God, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on our behalf. We praise you, God. We thank you. We seek to honor you in all that we do. God, come, have your way among us. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close and prepare for our last song this morning, I do want to encourage you and also give you a fair warning. Next week is not just a new location. Next week, beginning at the second service, things are going to begin to change, I would say, slowly over time at the second service. Next week, we're going to be kicking off a new sermon series that I'm really excited about called Real Issues, Real Answers. We're going to be taking the rest of the spring and we're going to be looking at tough stuff. Suffering, addiction, sexuality, multiple faiths, different religions, all that stuff. We're going to be looking at tough issues that are real in all of our lives, that affect all of our lives, 
And we're going to try to provide some answers in God's Word that can give us practical help in our day-to-day lives, but also practical help in talking to others. So this next couple of months, we're going to be pushing really hard that we're trying to talk about things that are affecting people's lives, a great opportunity for invitation. But then also, we're going to be returning to something we've done in the past. We're going to be going back to kind of texting and tweeting in questions during the sermon. We're going to try and make it as interactive as possible. Now, this is different. This is not exactly churchy. But we're trying to provide the opportunity for people to ask questions, and I'm going to try and keep it as interactive as possible. So this is a great opportunity for invitation. I just want to give you a fair warning that things are going to change with this service a little bit. And that's okay. That's okay. If you're looking for something a little more just calm and something that's more familiar, I'd encourage you, go to the 830 service. That's great as well. It'd be great if you went there because that's what you're looking for. That would be fabulous. But don't be surprised if the 1015 service, you see some different things done from time to time. It's intentional. It's all for the sake of equipping us and reaching more people together. So we're going to have fun together because God created us to enjoy this journey together. Let's stand and sing together.